Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of Courageous Wellness. We have a really interesting episode for you this week with um, Michelle Mendoza, who is the senior buyer of Sweet Flower. It's a cannabis company, and we've never done an episode on cannabis before, but before we get into that, um, we're going to do, as usual, our normal updates for the week. Uh, and just wanted to remind everybody that our annual fundraiser for the Westside Food Bank is still going on through Christmas Eve. So um, for $20, for a $20 donation, we are providing a, ha- a healthy happy hour video that Erica and I recorded um, with ingredients lists. And, uh, we do two cocktails slash mocktails and an appetizer and also a dessert. So, um, we give you that as a thank you for a $20 donation. And just so you know, too, uh, the West side food bank currently has a million meals match going on. So for every $1 that is donated, you're able to provide eight meals, which is pretty incredible. Um, and it goes to over 200,000 people. They service, uh, 55 different agencies in West Los Angeles County. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, an organization that's near and dear to our hearts. And we've done an episode with their director of development, Genevieve Riotort. Please check it out. Um, if you've never listened to it, we talk all about food insecurity and we also, um, have done, uh, we've done events with them for three years now. So this is our third annual fundraiser. So please join. And the link is in our link tree on Instagram. Um, and you can, it'll be in our show notes too. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes of the episode. So you can check that out right here. (laughs) What else is going on with you this week? Um, what else is going on with me? Oh, so what is going on with me is I have like a peppermint chocolate addiction, basically. Like (laughs) I love peppermint chocolate. It's, I just love peppermint chocolate and I love all the peppermint chocolate. I love peppermint mochas and peppermint hot chocolates at Starbucks. I love like Giardelli peppermint bark, love it all. And it's, it's all I want this time of year, but I also know, right. How sugar affects our bodies. And I also really want to set myself up for success this holiday season. So I'm happy to share that I have discovered Ali, you kind of helped me discover this, but, um, 
I love hot chocolate. And in my search for a, to create and make a healthier peppermint hot chocolate, you, you helped me in this, but basically I found the perfect recipe for a, it, it is actually a healthy peppermint hot chocolate and it's filled with, um, protein and you could even make it with healthy fats and fiber. If you wanted to like make it like a peppermint hot chocolate snack, or I actually had it instead of my coffee this morning. And I added some fiber powder to it, but, um, basically what it is, it's very simple. I just add a scoop of the chocolate be well by Kelly protein powder, which is like my favorite chocolate protein powder. It's so good. It's so tasty. It has I think three ingredients and, or two or three ingredients, depending it's, on which. Yeah, you no, it's three ingredients. You're right. I was just saying there's, um, 24 grams of 24 grams per scoop. Ooh. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, um, yeah. And it is beef protein, right? It is. So it's not a, it's not a plant-based plant-based protein. protein, but you can't taste, um, it, it doesn't taste like anything. If you do, it just tastes delicious and chocolatey. Um, and it's, I think very bioavailable, which is why she chose, um, that source of protein. But I also add a scoop of the Saqqara metabolism super powder to make it even extra chocolatey and good for you. And if you are plant-based, you could just do it with the chocolate metabolism super powder. And then I add a few drops of, um, peppermint extract. Mm. And I've done it with flax milk. I've done it with oat milk. I've done it with almond milk, you know, eight ounces of your nut milk milk of choice. And then you warm it up and it is so thick and creamy and indulgent and delicious. And like I said, I added a scoop of acacia fiber powder this morning because I had it instead of my coffee. It's everything. It's everything. And it's not bad for you. And I am hooked. I've made it a lot. I'm going to run through a lot of protein powder, but it's really good. I also thought to even make it a little more indulgent, like (laughs) so basic, but my husband and I are going to drive around and look at Christmas lights and bring some hot cocoa. And I was like, you could even take Lily's sugar-free peppermint chocolate chips yeah, and put it in and blend it together. You know, as you're talking, and this is just an opportunity to give a shout out to one of our friends, colleagues in the, in the, um, nutrition community in LA, but, uh, body bliss by Jess, Jess, Sukan, who's a health coach friend of ours. She makes these really, really yummy, also really good ingredients. Um, elixirs for lack of a better word that you can add to coffee and she does all different flavors, but I have to say her, um, peppermint. She, she calls it the peppermint to be like cocoa latte is so good. And that I've been really enjoying. I've been putting it in my coffee. So it's Mm. like a peppermint mocha in the morning. Delish. But she also uses really awesome ingredients. Ingredients. I was just thinking about that. Plant-based too, as another plant-based option. It is. It doesn't have protein. So you're not going to get, but if you wanted to, you could add your own, um, plant-based, I can't speak today. Plant-based protein in. Nut pods also makes a good peppermint creamer. Um, Hers is so good with the nut pod. I was going to say, I've been influenced. I'm ordering some of Jess's. I loved, I got her basic bliss pumpkin spice blend and I really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, I'll definitely be ordering her peppermint, but I'm enjoying this and it's something I can feel 
good about drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You don't feel gross after. And, and it's, it's like a afternoon snack too, if I'm a little hungry or, and what's great too, is the Sakara metabolism super powder. It, um, it works to like curb sugar cravings. It, you know, uh, helps relieve bloat. It has a lot of like good for you benefit to try the Sakara metabolism super powder. We do have a code for that and you can always save 20% with XO courageous. And that is also in our show notes along with the event, which you should definitely check out because, um, we love the West side food bank back to the beginning. This is my very fairy Libra train of thought from like show notes, West side food bank, try some metabolism, super powder, but either way, definitely try some peppermint chocolate creations this season because it's my favorite. And, um, I do, you also turned me on to the be well by Kelly protein powder. And I am very happy with, I, I, it's, it's my favorite. And my husband, who's not a, um, he, he loves this hot chocolate I've been making him and I've been making him smoothies with the protein blend and it's his favorite too. And he's not like, uh, he's not unhealthy, but he's not into this stuff. So his feel of approval means a lot. It means like it needs to taste good. Um, I have to say, so yes, I, what I love about Kelly's protein powder real quickly before we should go into the show, but it's, um, the quality of protein. It's like Swedish beef isolate or something like that. And then she just uses monk fruit and cacao powder, um, for the chocolate. It is sweet to me. Like the flavor, the taste is a little sweet, but when you add it to the Saqqara, when you add the metabolism powder, which is quite bitter, it's, it's also cocoa based. It's that cacao, but it's such dark. They like, I don't even think they sweeten it. It's just, you know, that bitter chocolate. When you add those two things together, it's sort of the perfect blend because like the protein powder sweetens the bitter a little bit and the bitter kind of makes it more enriched. Um, so I just think, yeah, it's spot on with that. If you want like a chocolatey delight. Sorry, I didn't, but peppermint, I just love, I love peppermint chocolate and I know it can be polarizing. One of my really good friends, like hates peppermint. They think it tastes like toothpaste, but not me. There's nothing. I, there is nothing I love more than like a peppermint mocha or a peppermint hot chocolate. Well, definitely check out Jess's. I love all of hers. I've had three different flavors now, and this is my favorite and I like all of them, but, um, the peppermint peppermint to be cocoa latte is a great blend. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, check out Jess, our friend who has these wonderful, delicious elixirs too. So let's get into the episode. We have a lot to cover today. Today on the podcast, we sit down with the senior buyer of sweet flower, Michelle Mendoza. Sweet flower stores have been described as the Sephora of cannabis with multiple locations in the Los Angeles area. Sweet flower opened back in 2006 when founder Tim Dodd was searching for a holistic pain relief approach after a terrible cycling accident. He found the buying process at most dispensaries to be unapproachable and wanted to help change the stigma around purchasing cannabis. Today, we hear Michelle's personal journey to the world of cannabis, and we discuss the overall cannabis industry and the sweet flower ethos. The sweet flower team currently employs 120 team members, 80% of which are African-American or Latinx with a women-led executive team. The sweet flower team has also made a promise to allocate 17% of shelf space to BIPOC brands. The industry standard is only around 2% currently. This was a really fascinating conversation with Michelle, and we hope you enjoy the episode. 
This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand that offers a wide variety of non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products that will make you feel nourished inside and out. And for our local to Los Angeles listeners, Milk and Honey has the most beautiful spa that just opened. I recently had a massage at their brand new Brentwood, Los Angeles location, and I really recommend it. We are so happy that Milk and Honey spas are now in LA after being the go-to spa with multiple locations in Texas. They offer facials, body treatments, massages, and lots more at their beautiful new space. Yes, I am about to book a treatment too, and I can't wait to check it out. I'm just so happy to have a spa that I can fully trust in our area now. And for all of our listeners, their online boutique offers products from the Milk and Honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Some of our favorite products include Milk and Honey's baking soda-free aluminum-free deodorant and lavender tea tree, which I have been exclusively using for years. And I also love Milk and Honey's gel cleanser and Osea's body oil and vagus nerve oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. We're, um, we're really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Same. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So just to get started, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your, um, your personal background and journey and, and what led you into the, the world of cannabis? Yes. Um, it's very interesting, actually. Um, I never thought in a million years I'd end up here, uh, but I am. And I actually was working in education um, for, for quite a while. I come from a long line of educators in my family. So it's kind of, you know, ingrained in my DNA. And um, while I was kind of in the middle of that, about nine years ago, um, a friend of mine reached out to me, another female, and um, she was running a dispensary in West Hollywood and called me one day and said, you know, I, I want to have a meeting with you. 
um, I want to see about you coming in and helping me run a dispensary. And I, I laughed at her and I said, I don't know anything about cannabis. That's a terrible idea. And she said, no, 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 I need you. Just hear me out. So, you know, she actually caught me at, a, at the right time. At that point in my life, I was working with um, teens and young adults on the spectrum for autism. And it honestly was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had in my life and the hardest at the same time. So I was kind of at a crossroads. Do I go back to school, get a master's and continue on with this work? And she kind of caught me at the right time. And, and it just so happened that there were some kind of segues with what I was doing and, and it kind of overlapped with cannabis. So, you know, working with a lot of my clients at that time, um, some of the concerns were their cannabis use. And so I kind of started diving into the why behind that. And it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And so that kind of, you know, combined with the timing um, was made me kind of all ears in, in this offer. And so, you know, I saw enough of, I think, of what I needed to see in the opportunity. And I kind of made the leap um, running a dispensary in West Hollywood, two females, which was kind of unheard of at that time. Um, and we really had autonomy over you know, brands we launched, the culture that we created, um, and we really made our own culture. And it became kind of a, a, a launching pad for a lot of the brands you see today that are, that are considered to be very cool. Um, their initial kind of like, you know, entrance into the market. So that was kind of what we honed in on. And what I, and what I love is, you know, curation and finding new brands and understanding brand story. And so that's kind of led me to, you know, I was there for seven years. Um, and then I made the leap over to Sweet Flower in 2019. And um, it's, this is where we are today. So, you know, full steam ahead. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, um, you know, as I mentioned off, uh, off camera, even though this is an audio recording, we're all on camera right now. Um, as I mentioned off, off recording, um, this is our first cannabis episode where we're really diving into cannabis. We have done some episodes on CBD, but, um, of course it's different, right? So just for any of our listeners, because we're obviously in Southern California, Los Angeles, but you know, cannabis in the rest of the country and even in LA, or if you talk to some people in Southern California, it still isn't really mainstream, right? And it's still, um, highly criminalized in a lot of the country. And so can you talk to us about cannabis and your journey to like, like, can you talk to us a little bit about why cannabis, what the benefits are and yeah. Like, can we just unpack cannabis a little bit for any of our listeners who are liter a little bit newer to the world? No, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot to know and understand about cannabis in general. I, I will say that, you know, CBD was kind of like the for lack of a better term, um, gateway into understanding, you know, normalizing cannabis across the board. Um, and I think that's, that's been a really great thing. I think, you know, our job in this industry, in a highly regulated industry is to really kind of give all, all the details to anyone who's curious about, about it and, and how it can kind of improve um, certain aspects in, in lifestyle. Um, it's not for everyone, but I will say, you know, um, the pandemic kind of exasperated, I think, use cases for a lot of people that were always opposed or kind of on the fence about it. And they really kind of turned to us for, you know, in trust. And, and that's something that I don't take lightly and we don't take lightly. So unpacking cannabis is a lot. Um, there's CBD, obviously, um, that is considered an endocannabinoid um, or cannabinoid, sorry, the, the 
endocannabinoid system is how cannabinoids interact with, with each individual, you know, chemistry and produce kind of an effect for you. Um, CBD is largely known to be non-psychoactive, meaning that you don't get the high that, you know, when you think of um, cannabis, you get, people think, oh, well, you just get stoned and that's what it is. Um, CBD is actually the component in it that, um, that does not produce that high, but it has, you know, as we do more research, we're understanding that it has the effects of, for some people, um, alleviating anxiety, um, you know, um, helping with inflammation in the body. Um, those are kind of the two main, I think, use cases for people. And from there, it's a whole, whole range of other things that that kind of improves sleep, you know, day-to-day, um, stress. Um, these are things I think most Americans and most people around the world have experienced in the last two years on another level. And so it's created kind of a situation where people that were understanding, you know, hemp CBD previously are coming into cannabis, you know, the regulated side, which means that um, we just have a little bit of THC in our product that we sell. And that's the different differentiator. Um, if you're selling in the, in our regulated market, in our dispensaries, you have to have at least a trace amount of THC in that product. Um, and that's really, and we call this the entourage effect. That's really how, you know, CBD is really at its best when it has a little THC in it. So there's nothing wrong with hemp CBD, um, but in, if you want it to be most effective, it needs some THC to unlock all the power that it can, it can have for you. Um, so that's kind of an entry into cannabis. Um, but with that, there's a whole host of other cannabinoids that, you know, we've, we've discovered there's CBN for sleep, CBG for, for inflammation and balance. Um, there's, there's THCV, which actually helps, you know, for some, um, stimulate, um, energy and for some suppress appetite. So there's, there's like a whole host of these cannabinoids that we're really learning about. And, you know, that's going to continue to unfold for us in cannabis. Thank you for doing that breakdown. Cause I do think what Erica said, like, I think people all have different experiences with it. And then also different, just sort of like understandings based on perhaps what you've been exposed to or what you yourself have gotten to, um, experience. And in California, even though there are some folks who might not be as familiar, it is, we do live in a state where it is legal now it's been medicinally legal for a long time. And now it's also just legal to purchase. And, um, even though it is highly regulated as an industry, you know, I'm curious, it's like the, the feelings on it have changed so much over, you know, not yes, many, you know, it's decades now, but not that long of a period of history. And I'm curious, having gone into this industry, is there anything that you can share with us about, you know, not until like not that long ago, it was criminalized. And a lot of people were maybe even are still paying, you know, the price of the criminal, the criminality of what it once was. Um, so I'm curious, like from an industry perspective, as someone who's in the industry worked as a female founded, uh, brand for a long time, um, do you find that there are folks within the industry trying to, you know, like work on the justice aspect of that at all? I'm kind of curious, like, I know that's a little bit of a right turn, but actually like, I would love to hear because we're not in that industry and I don't know, I would love to hear if there's like an awareness, an effort, um, 
that type of thing, as far as like even just the state of California goes, because there's been such a drastic change in the last few decades. Right. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, given I have experience in this industry prior to, you know, the, the, the recreational kind of standing um, that we took, um, the industry changed quite a bit from, from, you know, 2017 to 2018 when we made that leap. Um, and what we were seeing in 2017 were a lot of, you know, female owned brands, um, even minority owned brands that as we made that transition were pushed out of the market. And, you know, I, I don't say that it was a conscious pushing out, but I think that there wasn't a lot of thought given to, you know, how expensive things were made to actually to maintain and stay in the industry and participate. Um, when we look at, you know, social equity, you know, the people that have been hit the hardest by the war on drugs, obviously are minority community communities. And, um, and a lot of those are female owned as well. I mean, you know, we, that there's no denying that. And so I think, you know, the industry as itself has not done enough to shine light on that. Now, now there's more of, you know, conversation going about it and the actions are starting to kind of roll, but it's been slow to kind of get there. Um, Sweetflower, when I, when I came on board, um, our mission was always, always, always to give representation to um, brands that, that you don't, that, that need to be on our shelves, because I think our, our whole philosophy is that, you know, we are a member of the communities that we inhabit. Um, Los Angeles is where most of our stores are. And our store inside should look like what our community looks like outside. And that is from people that we employ to the brands on the shelf. Um, you know, I've, I, 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 would, I don't want to brag, but I think we have probably one of the highest rates of BIPOC owned brands on our shelf. Um, the industry average right now is about one, one and a half percent. Um, we are at 15 to 20% of our menu. So um, our new store opening in Culver City next month in January will be 20% of our menu. So I'm very proud of that fact. Um, it's something that our CEO supports 100%. Um, it's something that, you know, I think by, by virtue of who we are in this industry, um, the retailers really have a lot of responsibility and power in shaping what this industry is gonna look like. Um, you know, and then I think that'll eventually talk to the money. And the money is really, you know, how these brands are going to enter the market and stay in the market. Someone who believes in them, someone who sees a vision and says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to back you, even though I know that it's going to be small scale to start, that's how we have to start. And we have to give them space and make sure we're creating a, a wave for them. Um, so that's really how we see it. And, you know, that's, that's kind of been my mission since day one. And that actually proceeded when I was at the previous dispensary. Um, we launched a lot of female owned brands and some of our best, you know, vendors were females and they were really generations of farmers, generations of, you know, they were breadwinners in their family. And in 2018 that got wiped out. Um, so it was very sad to kind of hear and see that happening. Thank you for speaking to that. I've just been like really thinking a lot about that. And, and like I said, because I'm so removed myself from the industry, I just was excited to have you on and get kind of an insider perspective on sort of like what's going on with that all. So, um, I think it's important for people to know too, because if anybody listening is a consumer and they do want to buy, you know, choosing, um, to buy from a place like sweet flower that also, is very, um, conscious of who they, them, who you guys are supporting and who you carry to. So the access to those other brands, I think, you know, that's the, one of the things that the consumer can take some, a small amount of advocacy in, um, but we don't know unless we have that information. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And you're additionally too, we got to see some of your products and try some of your products and they're also beautiful as well. It's like such an elevated experience, at least, you know, Ali and I are in our thirties. And so, um, I just remember like <laughs> the, the cannabis of college or the cannabis of your younger years, it wasn't like a pretty experience. And I think with everything, not pretty experience, but it wasn't an elevated experience. It was like something you did with friends or at a party or without any sort of intention in. And I think now as an adult and learning about the benefits of cannabis, of THC, of, you know, again, it has been legalized in California medicinally for a long time at this point. Um, and now it's legal statewide, but intention behind choice, right? Like beyond just choosing who you're going to support, which companies you're going to support because of the brands they support, but also intention of like, why do I want to do this? What is this going to benefit in my life? How is this going to elevate and enhance my daily experience? And so for anybody who is maybe newer to, um, marijuana, can you talk about what that experience can be like, what it can benefit beyond just, I think, right. Because CBD is so popular, anxiety is something I feel like a lot of people are aware of, but what else can cannabis be good for and THC be good for as well? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think what we're seeing, and again, I'm going to come back to the pandemic because this really kind of shone, shine a light on a lot of things in a lot of people's lives that they hadn't looked at previously. Um, you know, THC is, is, and, and I don't want, I, I am never going to vilify THC for, you know, people that enjoy, you know, getting high or um, relaxing or however they choose to unwind. We've been doing it for, for, you know, centuries, um, various forms of, you know, that ritual, that practice. So, um, and, and THC has always been in the mix. It's just, we haven't really called it by its name. So um, with that said, um, you know, there is nothing wrong with recreational use of cannabis. And I think that's the thing we need to put on the table straight away is zero wrong with it. No judgment. Um, we, everyone has, you know, not everyone, but people that have never used people that have, you know, long since had like a, you know, um, have been an opponent of it. Um, have, we've seen them come in in the last two years because I don't want to be on pharmaceutical drugs. I, I have anxiety. I cannot sleep. I don't know what to do. I have, you know, pain, um, you name it. We've seen it. We've heard it. And we have something for you to address those, those neat states. Um, even for people that say, you know, I just want to have fun. I don't even know how to do that in this day and age anymore. Do you have something for me? We do. We actually do. So I think that's been kind of been the exciting thing is, um, you know, the development of, of new products. And I will say beverage has been one of the biggest um, breakouts of the last two years and that it's really allowed people that enjoy, you know, a drink after work or to wind down a bit. I, I mean, I love a glass of wine, like I love wine. So for me, nothing will ever replace wine for me and the flavor, the taste, you know, but for people that are, you know, got maybe a little too heavy handed during the, during the pandemic and we're drinking not just one, but two and three, and then oops, the bottle is gone now. You know, we saw a lot of that coming over to, to cannabis beverages. And I think the benefit there is, you know, a lot of these are low calorie. Um, 
as far as I know, there's no benefit in alcohol as there is in, in THC and CBD. So I don't want to vilify alcohol, but I'm also saying that I, we, we know that um, there are, there are some health, you know, benefits when you are consuming CBD and that, you know, it can actually help, you know, reduce inflammation in the body, which means everything from, you know, joint pain to, um, that kind of to, to irritable, irritable bowel syndrome. There are all these internal things that I think we're finding that it's helping kind of reduce. And, um, as far as I know, I don't know that alcohol ha can have that same effect for people. Um, and so, and, and we also say that, you know, when you have a CBD THC beverage, um, you wake up virtually with no hangover the next day. So, you know, that's not true for everyone. Cause I don't want to say that I don't want to give a false claim, you know, people that are new to THC and CBD, you can, you know, even if you're consuming a small amount, you will fill it the next day slightly. It'll maybe you'll feel a little groggy, but I think that's, you know, that's kind of like the, the worst case scenario for people. Um, so there are benefits. I mean, I think that the biggest thing is, you know, addressing anxiety, anxiety, and, and that's really been a big one. Um, various form factors to kind of, you know, consume uh, products with CBD. Um, if you're a smoker, we have that for you. If you don't want to smoke, we have tinctures. You can literally take a drop put it under your tongue and it, it's fast acting within 15 to 20 minutes. Um, if you enjoy a beverage, we have those for you too. Microdose is kind of the new hot term um, for all things right now. And um, we've had microdose since 2018. That was really the birth of recreation was, you know, now making it accessible to people that were fearful of cannabis. And I think, um, I think the benefit of you know, buying your cannabis from a dispensary, a licensed dispensary is really, you know, you're leaning on them for that education. Um, that's something that we take very seriously as well. Um, and then additionally to that, you know, all products that we sell within our store have to be lab tested. So they are testing for pesticides, for anything that can harm you. Um, it there's rigorous testing that, that, you know, it has to undergo before it makes its way into our doors. Um, if you're buying outside of, you know, licensed dispensary, there's that guarantee is not there. So I think that's those, those are, you know, other things in itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm happy to answer any other questions about if you have specifics. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think you actually just said something that really brought to light for me, the idea of when we make anything safe and in regulated in the sense, like you said, it, even in the cannabis industry, this idea of microdosing, which, which, um, probably opened up more people to the idea of maybe using it or using it, um, to some extent that might not have been before. There's a certain sense of like, because of the regulation and because of an ability to build trust from either brand perspectives or an education perspective and knowing that there's like, accountability of where it comes from or that the label is, is, you know, reporting information to you that you might not have otherwise. And it, it kind of makes me think that that's the case for most things. Like if we allow, um, environments where it's not just criminalizing things, but allowing things to be done more safely. And, and, you know, you, you're right. It's like alcohol is legal and, and, think about not just from a health benefit. And I'm, listen, I drink as well. I love a glass of wine, but we know what you said is true. There's no health benefit after one. It's a decreasing, you know, uh, 
there's no like return on your investment with alcohol. If anything, it's the opposite. And that's, you know, I read a recent study that even, even more so there's like, you know, there's always that health, you know, um, conversation in different studies saying like, well, is it, is one glass of wine good for the heart, you know, like, or, but then at one point is like the rate of return, you know, much lower. Um, and it, it seems that there's no proof that there's really much health. It's kind of like a wash. Um, and then once you consume more than one glass, it can have worsening effects on the health. Um, and like you said, even like just the way you feel the next day sometimes. So if there are these other things in our world where we have more, um, access to using them safely, you know, and food is no different too. We talk about that as well. It's like anything that we're going to consume that we can be educated about and have sort of advocacy around is not a bad thing because then you can consume it, um, with safety or, and I don't even mean like safety and that there's a big dangerous consequence, but it's like, if you don't want to get high, I know you're only going to have five milligrams or whatever it might be over the course of the night, 10 milligrams. It might, you, you can control that for yourself and make that educated decision for you. So I think, I don't know, that just came to my mind the way you were talking where it's like, oh yeah, this, this makes total sense. And I'm curious, like in other areas of our culture, where the same opening the mind in that way and opening this idea of decriminalization of certain things, like what benefits that could actually have. Just something interesting to think about. We want to take a quick break from this episode to talk about today's sponsor, Ned. If you have listened to this podcast, then you know I struggle with anxiety and the holiday season can always bring up extra stress between holiday shopping, social anxiety, and family pressure, it can be a lot. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is USDA certified organic extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. And I use these products daily to support my anxiety. And it has been so unbelievably helpful this holiday season. I take CBD every single day and it's been a game changer. Yes. And these products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Right now, we are both really enjoying Ned's brand new product, which has been in development for over a year, the De-Stress Blend. This one-on-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your 
your gut health, a key player in your mental health, and a cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Ned's quality also speaks for itself. Ned's products have over 1,500 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners within the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who's been a two-time guest on Courageous Wellness. If you want to try the new de-stress blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. For the holidays, Courageous Wellness listeners get 20% off Ned products with code CWPODCAST. And when you spend more than $150, Ned is throwing in free gifts with every order. So visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash C-W podcast to get 20% off plus free gifts with orders over $150 and 20% off all Ned products with code C-W podcast. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. I agree. And I think like, you know, same, like I love a drink as well, but alcohol can be very dangerous for a lot of people. And I've always found it interesting, right. That like cannabis is so, um, polarized or criminalized both and alcohol isn't when we see that, I feel like most people have, have seen it in their families or their friendships or even with themselves, it's normal and it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's just interesting that, um, cannabis is so, polarizing for, for our husband for so many years, but I'm curious about microdosing too, as Ali, you were just like mentioning. So with, and with alcohol. So I guess I have like two questions, whereas with, um, 
with alcohol, we know it can be very addictive, right? And a lot of people can struggle with like alcohol dependency. Is that something that people see with like THC use as well? Um, and how is microdosing kind of part of your life? Is it just, and I have I have taken many doses of THC and you don't really feel much, I guess. Are you just getting benefits? If we can just talk a little bit about, is it addictive or can it be as addictive or as alcohol can be for a lot of people and like unpacking microdosing a little bit, if people are interested in trying it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you, I think if you have an addictive personality, I think that, you know, cannabis is no, there's no exception there. I think you can have an addiction to it. I said, I think that the difference is that, you know, um, and this is the true, same true for alcohol. Um, but I think, you know, as you use cannabis and if you're a daily user, you'll find that you start to, you know, your tolerance starts to kind of um, go up a bit. So you'll need a little bit more to feel the same effect. Um, you can reset your tolerance. There are, there are ways to do this. And CBD is generally the way that that's done. Um, but I will say that, you know, we, we don't ever say that, you know, it's not, there's no chance that you can be addicted to cannabis because that's just false. We don't know that that's true. We don't know, you know, we, so we're, we're not in the business of making claims like that. We are in the business of education. And that is really just educating people on how best to use something based on what they feel like they need in their life. So, you know, um, microdosing has been kind of this revolutionary, you know, turn for a lot of people and that, you know, they can, they can access the benefits of cannabis without, you know, feeling so high that they can't function. And for a lot of people, microdosing has allowed them to, you know, wean themselves off of other things, um, you know, antidepressants, um, sleep aids, um, things, things of that nature. Um, I mean, I can say this factually for me. I mean, I went through a period of my, in my late twenties where I was having a really hard time sleeping and I was desperate to sleep and I tried everything. And I finally went to the doctor and got on, you know, a sleep, a sleep aid. And there was a point where I thought, I feel like I'm getting addicted to this and I did not like it. So, you know, I very much have that side of my personality that just cut it straight off. And I said, I'm going to suffer through this, whatever it is. But I, I started using cannabis at that point. Um, I didn't know, but microdosing didn't exist at that point in my life. So you know, based on my own understanding of how my body functioned with cannabis, I kind of microdosed myself in, in kind of a, you know, trial and error fashion. Um, and so I understood that, you know, that was kind of a way from, for me and my own experience and, and understanding how some people in the last two years have come to us and said, you know, I don't want this feeling I've had from, you know, X, Y, and Z. I need something that's going to be maybe, maybe have a, a additional benefit for me. And what do you have? So educating people on the microdosing way was really kind of, was really a, a new revolution in opening a lot of people's eyes and normalizing cannabis. And I, I will say one of the, one of my biggest opponents in my life has been my mom of cannabis. And so I kind of set, up, set it up as a challenge for myself. If I can educate her about cannabis, I can educate anyone about cannabis. And, you know, I've, I've had nine years to work on her. So <laughs> she's now come around. Um, she uses topicals. Um, she uses a tincture every once in a while. And I, I consider that a success in that, you know, finding a way to kind of connect what her understanding of cannabis was with what the realities are that, you know, we know cannabis to be. Um, and really kind of taking away stigma in all ways around it. Um, and so I, I think that that's kind of been a, you know, 
the way that we've gone about it with with a lot of people in that come into our stores. I, now I can't speak for all the other retailers because you know I know that there are a few that that um, experience is important, um, but I don't think that's industry wide yet. I think that's something we're we're working up to, and there'll be a you know a changing of guard as we continue to kind of go down this pathway of possibly federal legal, legalization. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's interesting. I like that you have in your own family. It's like, if I can get, if I can get her on board. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I've known also folks that it's been incredibly beneficial from a pain management, like people who are ill and struggling and you're right. It's like, you know, culturally we just accept popping, uh, pharmaceuticals, like nothing else, but no, none of those. And, you know, I'm very integrative Western and Eastern, depending on whatever, you know, whatever is, um, or like holistic and, and even sometimes prescription, depending on what you're dealing with, but there's no prescription medication out there. There's no pharmaceutical that doesn't come with side effects. And, um, you know, and it's like, so, but we're so normalized that if you have an ailment, um, and those can be not only addictive from, habit, which you're right. You can be addicted to anything. You can be addicted to shopping. You could be addicted to, you know, a substance. It, if you have a, a tendency from a personality standpoint, you know, that can be a thing, but there are also some substances that are actually physically highly addictive. And some of those are pharmaceuticals. And, um, I just think that like, I've seen so many folks in my own life who were suffering with pain and illness and, um, cannabis was really helpful while being more of a, a natural, um, way to treat and, and manage some of that as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, this idea of hopefully at some point making it federally legal, do you see that? Like, what is your personal opinion? Do you see that actually happening? I do. I think I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll happen sooner rather than later. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's so many reasons for that. I, I think, you know, California is, is arguably the biggest market in the world right now for cannabis. And I think it's going to continue to be that. Um, we have a lot of really great product here that I think, um, and, and especially as we look at our sun-grown farmers um, that have, are really generational farmers, they've been doing this for so long. Um, and they're kind of suffering right now because the market, you know, with pandemic and we can't, we can't export product to other states. Um, and I think, you know, there's only so much growth within our market happening right now. And it is big, but, um, you know, we, we need people coming into California in order for that to continue, or we need to be able to ship those things out of state in order to help, you know, with commerce and keeping, keeping these generations of farmers, legacy farmers, um, in business, um, so I, federal legalization is really, I think we, we need it. We absolutely need it. Um, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, it happens sooner rather than later um, for all the reasons, even on the banking piece, the, you know, that's a whole other subject that um, we don't need to get into, but um, it's incredibly difficult to do business as a cannabis business um, in any state. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that from, from a few people I know who are in the cannabis space. And I'm also very hopeful that, um, it also will be federally legalized. I'm curious too. So you mentioned, right. Your mom, and it took you nine years, right. Of this conversation. And now she has her tincture, um, and is open. What I know we don't have nine years on the podcast, but what, 
what do you wish if there's a way to break down maybe like the top three things or as many as you want, but what are things you wish people knew about cannabis? I think the top thing is that it's, you know, it's not as scary as people think. Um, I, I will say that points back to stigma and really that's the history of cannabis. Um, you know, the reason why we are fighting for social justice within the cannabis industry, all of those reasons why certain communities were targeted um, more heavily than others for arrests, um, you know, all those things, that's a narrative that we're trying to undo. And, and you know, we need everyone's help to undo that. Um, and I think people like my mom really are, you know, they help tell the story of that we can undo it. We can actually undo the story, um, but it's going to take work and it's going to take proper information and it's, you know, and education. And this points back to my background, you know, that long line of educators is really understanding something. And that's, I think that's kind of like my personality in general is just really wanting to understand something. So when I entered cannabis, I knew nothing and I made it my mission to learn everything I could about it. Um, I would scour the internet and read whatever I could. And so, you know, that's an exceptional case, but I, I don't expect everyone to do that. But I think, you know, we need to have more campaigns where we're telling truths about cannabis and, and benefits. And, um, you know, there needs to be more research. And I think, cause people believe science largely, um, and I think that really tells the story that you you hopefully can't deny after after you hear it. But um, yeah, so I think it's just you know really really learning and understanding cannabis in general and doing away with those stigmas. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think also, and this might be a more kind of lighthearted a- approach or aspect to it too, but because it's become now. Um, a little bit more mainstream because it's legal and because, um, there's this industry that's at least in California accessible to people. I mean, some dispensaries for those folks who live far away, I mean, they look like the Apple store when you walk in and, um, the idea of the consumer experience, uh, is, has, is very different now. Um, and as Erica was saying, you know, sweet flower has beautiful brands and you have this sort of very curated, um, group of products that you offer and there's a certain sort of experience. And I think interestingly enough, I think that actually has led to some people becoming more comfortable and open to it because that experience doesn't feel like something that's, um, maybe they were taught was shady or had that stigma and all those years, like whatever, this is another conversation about like war on drugs and all that stuff, which led to a lot of people, especially many folks in marginalized communities being put in jail for this. Um, but now I think because there's been you know, a slow but steady transformation, at least in our state, I think the actual sort of curated retail experience is probably also helping open folks' folks' minds about about it. Um, because it is quite, I don't know. I mean, Erica, how would you describe it? It's like quite it's a beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> I um, it, like yeah. I, w- when we, we were so lucky to try, we got the drinks, which are just so accessible and so easy, especially like for someone like that's, that's my perfect way of consumption is in like a drink and in a can. And, um, but I also, I got, um, 
this beautiful pack of uh, joints that were infused with like lavender and peppermint. It was the most beautiful joint package I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. And I was like, oh, I'm going to gift. I have um, a dear friend of mine. Um, she loves smoking weed and she does it for fun and for anxiety and for all these reasons. And I was like, this is the gift. I was like, this is the gift. And um, it is, it's such a beautiful, non-scary experience. And I do, I know we talked about alcohol and we all enjoy alcohol, but it's just so interesting to me because alcohol is so part of our culture and it can be so detrimental to so many people. And yet cannabis, you know, it can, I'm sure it can be too, but it's just so interesting to me because, um, yeah, this is beautiful. And the way someone brings like a bottle of wine to a party, I was like, oh, I'm going to bring my friend for the holiday is a, a beautiful package of joints that she can enjoy. And that is, uh, you know, lavender infused and beautifully packaged. It was, it was a beautiful experience, you know, as a consumer. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think all of that, as you were saying, like your background as an educator and you're educating us today too, and our listeners, but I think all of that, you know, there's so much intention behind a brand like sweet flower or, um, it actually got all goes towards the same mission from at least from the consumer perspective, which is part of that is destigmatizing, but also really like making the experience a, an enjoyable one too. Yeah, that really was actually um, the, the founder, our founder of, of Sweetflower. Uh, he actually entered into cannabis because um he had this experience himself. He, he was in a cycling accident um, that left him, you know, with various broken bones in a wheelchair. And he went into a dispensary because the alternative was this jar of oxy that the doctor set in front of him and said, here you go. Good luck. And he said, no, this is a terrible idea. So he went into a dispensary and he knew nothing about cannabis. And he said, I'm in pain. And he said, they started asking me questions. Do you know the difference between sativa and indica? And he said, no. And he said, I was lost. He said, there has to be a better way. And so that was kind of his light bulb moment. And, and really it was setting out to build a beautiful aesthetic that was inviting to people, you know, his experience and someone new to cannabis that is not threatening. At that point, I think he said he, he, he willed himself into a store. They buzzed him in. Um, there was an armed guard, you know, and that's, and that's kind of been the old guard of cannabis and it still exists, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, Sweetflower and the other retailers like us have really kind of set in and making the customer experience part of that educational process. It's, it's not just, you know, don't come in. It's like, come in, let's talk to you about cannabis. We're happy. Even if you're not here to buy, we're happy to chat you through cannabis and your curiosities, because that is how you educate people. So, you know, there's no, there's no question that we won't answer. Um, I've had them all lobbed at me and I'm like, let's go bring it. <laughs> and if I don't have the answer, I'll, I'll research it and actually come back to you with an answer because I feel like that's, that's part of my duty. And that's really what we take into consideration, but the environment, the curated products, um, the intention behind it, all of that goes hand in hand. Um, so that's, that's kind of the mission. Yeah. And it makes a difference. It absolutely does. And, um, so yeah, so thank you. And thank you for sharing that a little bit about his story too. I'm always curious to, to hear, uh, you know, we have so many folks on the, on the podcast who have seen or through their own experience felt like, a, um, a need 
hadn't been met in a certain market, especially if they are entrepreneurs and, and why they feel um, motivated to go into the various spaces where they've created something that they themselves maybe didn't have, but saw um, value in. So I I think those stories are always useful to share. And um, I'm curious, as Erica was saying, you know, we've been sent different um, goodies and I had cookies and they were really yummy. And, um, you know, you are uh, the the buyer for um, for sweet flour. So do you have any favorites and or do you see certain ones that are really popular? I know everybody's different, but I'm just curious. Any products that are particularly popular? Yeah, well, you mentioned actually um, the infused lavender pre-rolls. That's Drew Martin. Um, and the same reaction you had was the one I had to their packaging. When, when I first saw it, I was like, this is the, be- the most beautiful packaging I've seen in cannabis so far. Um, and their product really is designed for people that are new to cannabis that are entering. It's, it's user-friendly. It's the, it's the joint you can take to a party and you're, and it's slow dose. So, you know, you know that you're not going to get super stoned straight away. Um, so those, their kind of, you know, entrance into the market was this new kind of like, well, we'd seen it in beverage. We've seen it in tinctures. We've seen it in edibles. That was the first kind of foray into, into pre-rolls. And it was in this beautiful packaging. Um, They've now come out with um, with like fragrance, you know, and um, we actually have a, a promo running with them, right? Now. I'm going to plug this really fast because I love Drew Martin. Um, when you buy their roll-on fragrance, which smells incredible, we're giving the collection pack, which is like the the four different flavors, flavor strains of their pre-rolls away with that for, for a limited time, for a penny. We have to charge a penny. So um, that is, that. so those, those are, that was kind of a new, um, favorite of mine, they're topical, the the perfume, because I love perfumes too. And I was like, this is interesting. And you actually do get a little high from it, if I'm being honest. It's an invigorating high, um, strain specific, and it has an incredible nose to it. So I think those things kind of excite me. Um, but there are a whole host of, I think, products that I really, really love. Um, in the beverage sector, you know, I love, I do love Can. Um, I love Wonder. Wonder is kind of, it, they have kind of the same um, dosing of can, but they add Delta eight, which kind of gives it, a, for me, gives me an invigorating feeling. So, you know, CBD has a tendency to make me feel a little sleepy. And if I don't want to feel sleepy while I'm like in a social situation, um, a little bit of that Delta eight helps kind of like give me a little more energy. So it's, it's different for everyone. Um, but I, I love the flavor profiles that are coming out in beverage. I think they're they're interesting. They're unique. Um, you know, they are cannabis still, so they have a, that hint of taste to it, but I don't mind that. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of, um, all flower, but like sun-grown flower in particular for me, the effect, um, and I think this is the thing that, you know, we're kind of going through this conversation in cannabis right now, when it comes to flower, sun-grown versus indoor, um, and I love indoor flower, beautiful, beautiful noses, like smells like perfume to me. Sun-grown effect for me is just quite different. It's, you get all the cannabinoids that are, you know, basically from the sun. It's powered by the sun. The sun has this whole healing aspect to it and it's no different when it touches a plant. So I think that's kind of what you're getting. It's, it's as farm to table as you can get in cannabis. Um, and I think that's really the kind of the interesting aspect here. Um, but there's a bunch of brands under those both, both kind of categories of flower that I, that I love. Um, some in particular, 
a Golden State. Um, if you've never seen their flower, their packaging, beautiful. Um, beautiful nose to it, top shelf, sun-grown. I love Sonoma Hill Farms. Um, they actually have the first certification for organic uh, sun-grown flower, which was not a thing that you could have. And now, now they're the first official um, stamp of that. So it's, it's really cool to see. But yeah, that's just a few of them. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it so much. This might be a silly question, but um, does it expire? Like, you know, do you think, do these things have expiration dates? Like, let's say you decide to go purchase some things for a party or for a friend and, you know, they don't get used or you have some cans, you know, like a bottle of wine, right. will age. Let's say you just have a bunch of canned THC sparkling beverage or some of these, you know, other products. Do they have an expiration date? So if you look at um, anything that comes in edible form, beverage form, um, there should be a best buy date on there. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that you're not going to get sick or anything. I don't think you'll, you'll get sick. I think you'll just make you extra sleepy. As cannabis sits around, um, THC oxidizes, it turns to CBN, which is really what makes you sleepy. So um, if it's an edible form, it might taste a little funky. If it's a beverage form, it might taste a little funky after that best buy date. Flower form, um, we have, the state has kind of made us um, regulate this in the way that we can't have anything on our shelf that's a year old from the date of the testing date, because then they can't, they can't guarantee that, you know, those testing results hold um, beyond that date. So they say, if you have it in your, on your shelf a year after testing date, we have to pull it and destroy it. Um, but on the the down low of, of cannabis, um, really when cannabis sits again, it just, it just turns to CBN and it just makes you sleepy. So if you've ever had old weed, you've you smoked a joint, you really just want to go to sleep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing unless that's not what you want. Um, so there are dates, but, um, you know, they're subject to your discretion. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's actually a good question. I never thought about that before Erica. <laughs> Um, I I'm neurotic. So I'm always like, do you think, is it going to work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Neurotic, you know, culturally Jewish background. So those are always my types of questions anyway. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for all that you've shared today. I think it's been really illuminating and just continues in making this, um, this industry and cannabis products just more accessible from an information point of view to people. So I think that's really helpful. And, um, before we wrap up, we have three questions. And so I'm going to start with the first one. I'm curious, in addition to however, you might incorporate some cannabis product into your life. How do you self-care? What do your daily self-care practices look like? And, um, do you have any non-negotiables? I do actually. So I, I think I start every morning with like a moment of silence. You know, I, I'm a very kind of introverted personality. Um, I've had to learn how not to be that in, in business. Um, and that's, it's been a good learning experience for me. Um, but I really, my mornings are my quiet time, my time for reflection. You know, I, I try to make a list of things in the morning, whether it's you know, things I just want to remember, things I have to do, but that's my time to really kind of get it on paper um, and just sit in quiet. I try to, I try to meditate. It's gotten harder to do admittedly in the last two years <laughs> to really sit. And I feel like my, my um, tolerance for sitting in, si in silence has, has grown shorter, which is for me is a really big warning <laughs> sign for me. Hence I'm on retreat right now because 
Um, those are things I think that are really important to kind of stop and listen um, for me. Um, Non-negotiables, yeah, that would be, you know, answering um, work texts or emails before a certain, before a certain time or past a certain time. Um, I really had to set those boundaries for myself um, and really trying to learn to turn it off. I mean, working from home has been, you know, a, has created some bad habits, I think, for me and that, you know, the workday just continues on and on and on. Um, and I've had to kind of set those boundaries. So, you know, I've set them with even, you know, our CEO. So uh, if he's listening, um, I've set those with you. Because <laughs> it's it's necessary. And I think for mental clarity and for rejuvenation, you know, you have to. Um, I've set them with family. Um, you know, I, I think those are all kind of necessary things you have to do. Um, the other things I think that are important to me, movement, um, physical movement, I've always incorporated that exercise, even going for walks. And I mean, I'm, I love water. So like water, I drink a ton of water. That's, and when I don't, I can feel it. I, I know what's, what's going on. Um, so those are a few of the things. No, those are great. Thank you so much. Boundaries are so important. <laughs> Thank you for reminding us all of that too. Um, the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Being courageous, I think, means just living your truth. Um, you know, I think it's taken me a long time to really understand that. Um, I think I'm in a place in my life where I really know who I am, and I'm not willing to compromise on that for anyone or anything. Um, I'm not trying to fit into anyone else's box. Um, I'm my own box. And I think that's just self-belief comes along with being courageous. It's just no matter what's happening, um, everyone has their moments of, you know, doubt and whatnot. Um, but I think just continuing to, to, to live my truth and my pathway and understand that that's, that's where I'm meant to be. Um, I think that's what it means to me. Thank you. And then the last one is, do you have a book recommendation that you would want to share with our listeners? It can really be on anything, just something that's meant something to you along the course of your journey. Ooh. Um, I mean, I think on the course of my journey, if we're talking, the four agreements was really something that I, that I really kind of, you know, used in a time that I really needed to, to kind of like come back to certain truths about myself. Um, that was one of them, but I think, you know, I, I love a, I love fiction. So I think anything that kind of activates my mind and, you know, fuels my creativity is something that I, I really have dove into. Um, what I'm reading right now is actually, while Justice Sleeps by um, Stacey Abrams actually wrote the book. And so I, it made me want to read it even more. And I've, I've been enjoying that book um, as of lately. So that's kind of like a, you know, a segue from the four agreements. It's more of like for fun and, <laughs> and uh, for, for creativity and reflection in that way. Well, thank you so much for that. And um, we were talking about it earlier, but if anyone wants to find buy, follow, sweet flower, where can they do that? Yes, uh, we are on social media. We are, let me, let me see if I get this correctly. It's sweet.flower.shops. That's okay. our handle. Um, and then if you're looking online to purchase or find out where we are, sweetflower.com. Great. Thank you so much again, Michelle. It was wonderful speaking with you today. You as well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. 
Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.